This is the PowerShell Podcast. It's all about PowerShell and the PowerShell community. PowerShell Podcast. A production of PDQ.com. Making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey everybody, welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm mediocre host Jordan with super megastar co-host Andrew Plaw. And today we have... Special guest James Petty, who's returning after you were, you were the OG guest, I believe. Uh, either the first or the second. First am, or I second. Like the, am I like the first one to returning? Oh no, Steve, Steve Jed beat you to returning guests. Uh, you, you are, uh, you're, you're John Landy. You're the second person to break the four minute mile. Uh, well, but I think first official, because if you recall that episode with Stephen Judd, he didn't consider it technically a podcast appearance because it wasn't X minutes long. Remember that the PowerShell After Dark it episodes. The, it was the bar session. Yeah, we just posted uh, post yeah. at the bar. He swung by. So let's be technically correct, the best kind of correct. And our first returning guest with an eye winked is James Petty. I, Sorry, I that, Stephen Judd, you're not here to defend yourself, my friend. I, I, I knew sure that, uh, you, you two fight that out <laughs> uh, in public space. All right, so. We're excited to have you back. I felt like it uh, it was a full circle. Like we were so excited you agreed to initially come on because we're looking for legitimacy of podcasts. We were brand new at that point. And we we're excited to have you on. And now we get the opportunity to it's come full circle. We got someone coming back up. We feel like we have a decent audience and you get to talk about all all things summit and uh publishing. Right. Yeah. It has been a busy six months or so. Yes, I'm, it has. I'm I'm glad we noticed with the uh, when you put the call out for speakers that Andrew and I weren't alone with procrastinating to the last last minute. It sounds like you got quite a flood at the end. Yes, uh, you guys definitely gave Missy and Kevin a heart attack. <laughs> I, like they didn't go to the hospital, but it, it, it was bad. We were sitting twelve hours before the cutoff, and we had like seventy sessions and. We have 51 sessions at Summit. So we're like, hey, this is not going to work. So we're trying to figure out where do we cut? You know, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we get Microsoft to add some sessions? Uh, you know, and then we wake up the next morning and there's almost 200. So we're like, oh, okay. That's, that's fantastic, though. But I, I don't know. Everyone we talk to, they're always hard working, is like, this is what. I have my full-time job, and then here's my 37 passion projects that I put all this time into. And then when it comes to this, it's like, you know what? I'm going to procrastinate finally. It's- <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's funny. When you see it affecting so many people, though, at the same time, you know, like the whole community, a lot of people maybe want to talk, maybe want to submit something, kind of waiting. And then that, that's one end. When you're going to submit the, the talks, everyone kind of goes through a similar thing. Maybe some people are proactive and, and super on top of it but they're the minority it seems like and then there's once you get the talks accepted and you have to put them together there's also interesting patterns when it comes to when everyone finishes their slides and finishes their their talks and everything yeah. i know quite a few people that finish their slides on the plane ride to seattle and i personally have a rule that i don't touch my slides or my demos uh seven days before the event because every time I do that, boom, the demo gods just rain down their fury and their wrath. That's what makes uh, Stephen Valdinger so impressive. I watched him create an entire session live, like just on, on his laptop between sessions. And then 
had had a well attended, well received uh, talk. Was that his DSL language or his DSL course? At uh, Summit? Uh, I think I think that one was already planned. I think he did a second one that was on uh, was some tool that helps you create crescendo. Yeah, crescendo. Yes, on crescendo. Oh, yeah. yeah, he yeah. he, he built. That went from a, hey, I want to do this out of as a bar session to a side session to, hey, can you do this like in an hour? Yeah, it is just, uh, we were looking for a place to record a, a podcast at that time and we encroached on his territory, but he was just there working right. But it was impressive to watch. So f- for me, I want to know as soon as possible if anything that any of my talks, I guess Andrew's talks that I'm tagging along for get accepted because I want to spend as much time as possible, but he just casually just throws it together. It was impressive. Yeah. So the good news is that all of the speakers are going to be notified no later than December 15th. Okay. So that's when all those speaker emails and go out and so we have 51 sessions and we had almost 200 uh, submissions. So we're going to have quite a few people that are upset, but uh, you know, they're, 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 there's, there's only so much time. This has been almost a failure for me because we spent all year talking about how we want to build up for it. And then it got time to submit for Summit and I couldn't do it solo. I need Andrew to hold my hand. Right. And that's fine. And actually, one of the most, you know, so we're always trying to promote first time speakers, trying to get uh, people who've never spoken before. Maybe they've only spoken at a user group. Uh, But the statistics this year, 60% of our speakers have said they've never spoken to Summit before. And it's typically like 20 to 30%. So we're like, this is a, it's fantastic to see, I guess, kind of the new, the new blood, the new generation of the PowerShell community coming, coming forward. It's great. What's the reason for that, you think? Jordan, I'm not trying to take credit here, but at least one of those people, maybe, maybe they heard our, our pleas to get out there and get involved. Yeah, That's I think pretty you know, cool. I, uh, I think that definitely helped. But I think a lot of it is just, you know, PowerShell has been around for a long time. So the OGs, if you will that have been doing PowerShell sessions for the last you know, 10 or so years are, they're not really doing PowerShell stuff anymore. They're moving on to bigger and better things. Maybe they're in management, maybe they're retired and uh, they're not doing IT stuff anymore. Uh, so there's the, uh, the younger blood, the ones that we've been trying to get in, you know, with the on-ramp sessions. Uh, we actually had some of our on-ramp students uh, submit us in the session. So that was pretty cool to see too. That's exciting. Yeah, so it's just it's just a, it's, it's it finally happened. Like that next wave, that next wave of, of of IT people are coming out of the woodworks. Excited to meet them. It's it's uh it's, it's kind of cool because this is the year. Then we're gonna get have like a, I think a a pretty good blend of a lot of the originals with some new ones. It's, I think it's gonna be a an interesting picking out sessions on that one because how do you how do you pick? Right, exactly. Uh, so the good news is, so Misty and Kevin are doing a fantastic job at doing at the sessions and stuff. But they're not looking at, you know, have you been here at every summit? Have you are you are you a good speaker? Have you done this before? You know, have you done this before? This is your first time. Like they're not holding any of that against anybody. If you have a good session and you have a good abstract and a good write up, it's gonna get it's gonna get picked. like there's there's no kind of there's no there's no bias against new people versus old people. You know, generally, we try to shoot for about a third of the sessions being first-time presenters. You know, you can't have the same 50 people year after year. But I think this year it's going to be closer to 50%, which is fantastic. It's just nice that the engagement keeps on elevating. Yeah. It's- you know what I'm excited for? I've seen Adam Driscoll 
the dude is a workhorse. He has so many cool, awesome projects. And I am so excited to see what he has submitted because his submissions are always like super awesome projects or things that are different from each other and so rich with content. It's I'm just super stoked to see what, what he's up to these days. Yeah, actually, Adam told me that he has a, I think he said a vacation or something planned that time. So he won't be at Summit for the first time in forever. So I was like, like I was like super bummed, super bummed when he told me. I was like, is there anything we could do to, to help that? How important is your vacation? <laughs> right. Well, uh, he's he's also the one, he's probably just afraid because he, he had a bird. I believe during takeoff last year. Yep. And then he almost didn't get to Europe and then he broke his leg and couldn't do his Iron Man. So like it's just That's when when he was uh when he was a guest, him talking about his week left me exhausted. <laughs> Speaking of busy weeks though, James Petty, you know, you said it's been busy since we've last had you on. Um, I mean I know you on a personal level, so I know some of the stuff. But what's been going on in your life? Have there been any new developments? A lot of like this. This last month has just been a whirlwind. So uh, my our second my second daughter was born. She was born the twenty seventh. So that was an exciting. Congratulations! Time. That was an exciting. Thank you. An exciting five days in the hospital. And then on top of that, I started started a new job. So that's been. Really exciting. So I was like drinking from the fire hose. Uh, they, they say when you have a, a kid born is the perfect time to switch jobs. Oh, of course. You know, that is the absolute perfect time. What's your new job? Yeah. So I am the director of information technology for text requests. So we're a text messaging company. Awesome. Yeah, so so do, what's that like? Uh, well, it's, so the position was kind of newly created. So we're, I was taking a lot of work. There was a bunch of people kind of doing a little, little bits of pieces and everything. Uh, so I just, um, I, ca- I came in and I'm just taking a lot of the, uh, uh, mainly a lot of the controls around uh, Azure and uh, the security aspect of, of the way, the way the pro- way the product works in the back end. So I have no, no, I have no, I'm like, I'm not the point code because I'm not a programmer at all, but making, you know, keeping everything safe and, doing all the security controls and all that good stuff. So when you're applying for a job like that, do you, are you up front with like, I'm also the CEO of DevOps org. So that takes a lot of my time. Or do you just like put that under the rug? It's like, Oh no, I'm fully available. No, I, I made it very clear to everyone, everyone I interviewed with. I was like, I, you know, this is very passionate to me. This is what I, this is what I do. I'm like, you, we have to work out some kind of uh, an agreement to keep my MVP status going. You know, I have now, this is how I do it. I run conferences. I go speak at events. I speak at user groups. Uh, so I was just very, I was very upfront about it. And if that was not something that they were willing to, you know, to, to, to be a part of and kind of celebrate that achievement with me, then I'd be like, well, this is not a company that I want to work with. And from what I know about you, you have a lot of like business and finance understanding and, and savvy. Um, do you think that that's going to play a big role in, in you getting this job and kind of succeeding in it? Or is it, you know, as, as where you are now, you don't need all that business stuff. Uh, no, I de- it's definitely, um, uh, yeah, so I, it, it def- definitely helped out a lot. Like I don't have like direct control of budget of budgets or anything, but you know, we have to make sure that as the company is growing, uh, we have to make sure that we live, that we live with our, live within our means to make sure we're not, 
spending money on some kind of widget in Azure that we don't need to be spending money on. Like maybe, maybe we don't need this. Like maybe we can just use this other widget that's half the cost or something, you know, or uh, what we're seeing right now is there's this new widget that's coming out. You know, we're always, we get to play with things that are in preview, which is fantastic. So we're always playing with these new, with these new things that, I mean, you think if we can save half of a, half of a penny every time a text message is sent, you know, we send millions of text messages every day. Just some, like just the, the cost adds up, just compounds over time. Sounds kind of fun, though, to to kind of now you get to play a huge part in this kind of fun system using all the the cloud and all these other skills you've worked on over the years, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, exactly. Said so I get to use uh, definitely still using a lot of my my PowerShell skills and stuff that I've developed over the years, but being able to like bridge that in into a cloud you know, the cloud-based uh, role is definitely, uh, exciting. you know, it's, it's exciting. It's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's nothing that we can't, nothing that we can't overcome. And if we all just kind of sit on our hands and be complacent where we're at, then we're never going to move, you know, we're never going to move forward in our career. We're just going to stay stagnant. Now, it's cool to see because you're like super involved. I don't know about what you think, Jordan, but man, this dude is like involved in life. He's really living it and doing stuff. Um, so it makes me feel like I'm a little lazy over here. I don't even have aspirations to get up to a director level. He's got CEO and director simultaneously. That's a that, that's a that's a high high bar to clear. Uh, well, it's, it's a lot lower than you think. But <laughs> so I guess my question that I would have related to that is: Have you always kind of been involved in the communities that you're part of? Kind of has that always been a thing in your life, or is this something that? you've now as an adult in your career been like, wow, this is really fun. This is kind of the way I want to approach things. Or was it maybe a hybrid? Uh, I think it's more of kind of a, a hybrid. So like growing up, like I was always, if there was something that I found was really fun and exciting, I would just dive in head first. And then, you know, as I started di diving into the whole, you know, the whole PowerShell community, and, you know, I was doing the whole PowerShell thing before DevOps was a thing. Uh, so just like finding the PowerShell community is like, oh, this is fun and exciting. And then, uh, just diving, diving down head first, and uh, man, I, I got I got real lucky quite a few times being in the right place at the right time with the right person, drinking the right drink, and just you know, kind of uh, everything's kind of was kind of kind of falling in line. But yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no point in doing something half-assed. Like if you're gonna do it, do it. If you're not, then not. Like don't just kind of like ah, I might do this. Have there been any times in your career where you've really been like putting yourself out there, trying for that new opportunity or whatever it was, taking that next step, and it really flopped on you, and it was like kind of a gut check, and you had to kind of push through it? Uh, I definitely think so. When some of the interviews I had, uh, obviously I was like really, yeah, I would apply for positions that I was definitely qualified for, but I was also pushing myself, uh, applying for positions that one I was in no way qualified for, but also kind of those mediocre ones, like I hit. I hit most of the check boxes, but not all of them. Uh, and then I would get in there and I would like rock like all the technical aspects and everything. Uh, but then I would get dinged on because I would have, like, I had no, I had no management experience. I had, like no people management experience. And like, well, if you just would have had at least one year of managing someone and knowing how to give productive feedback, like you would have had this awesome job. It's like, so that, so that, so that, that kind of hurt. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of those moments in our career. And I think that like the rate of our growth is kind of dependent upon 
how often we take those chances and how often we recover when it doesn't go. And like, how fast can we integrate that feedback and be like, okay, this didn't work out. Let's slightly reformat things and approach this next opportunity. Yeah, I did. I did get really, I guess I call it fortunate. Yeah, you know, so I did have quite a few interviews, but I was able to get feed, get productive feedback from most of them. You know, of course, there were some people that you know you get the auto, the automated email saying, "Oh, nope, you did, we didn't select you." But generally, I'm at least able. I was able to email like, "Can I get? What kind of feedback can you give me on this?" So that was always. Uh, I, that was always helpful. I mean, that way you know, that way you know where your you know where your strengths are, and you know you know where you where your weaknesses are. And obviously, you don't need to focus on your strengths; you need to focus on your weaknesses. See, I'd take it a step further. After I got the feedback, I'd try to argue with them on the feedback just to cement the fact that they made the right choice. Like, yeah, not going <laughs> with you was was correct. <laughs> that's a that's a self aware interviewee. You, you put it back on them. <laughs> I just want to have peace of mind about not hiring me. Yeah. I, I know the job search process for a lot of people can be pretty stressful because it almost feels like it can, at least if you don't realize that there's a difference between who you are and what people are looking for in, a, in an employee type situation. But that rejection can feel like you're being rejected. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. I liked these people. I thought I was smart enough. I, you know, um, do you, so I guess it sounds like you've applied for a lot of jobs over the time. Do you get over that the more you just keep applying? Um, not really. I mean, it always, uh, there's always the, you apply, nothing happens. You get the rejection email. Those are fine. You know, those, those don't phase me. It's when you actually make it to the second, third, second or third round of interviews and you're like, all right, I have a chance, you know, I'm doing good. You're feeling good about it. And then you just get a rejection email and you're like, um, like what's going on here? Like I, like I thought we were friends. So, I have found this might just be a me thing, but every time I've left an interview with confidence, I have not gone. Every time I thought I've bombed, is I've uh, ended up with the job. It feels like I don't know if that's like a, a common thing or if I'm missing something there. But uh, anymore, if I leave an interview feeling good, it's uh, it now leads to dread because that's how my mind is. Well, you know, hopefully you don't have to interview for a long time. You know, over here at PDQ, oh, I'm I'm here until they fire me. They're gonna have to drag me out kicking and screaming. I love this place. When you were doing uh, job interviews, are there any kind of like red flags you look for? Maybe as it's related to PowerShell or their acceptance of it or like just general feel for where they are as a culture? Yeah, I would generally, obviously, you know, job descriptions, what I found is job descriptions are not, they don't actually uh, demonstrate what the job is. Like they don't convey that at all. So I kind of had my, my routine list of questions that I would ask. I like, hey, you know, of course, obviously, there's some things I'm not going to tell you. I'm like, can you give me a twenty thousand foot overview of your, you know, of your environment? Like, are you are you are you virtualized? Are you running in Are you running in a cloud? I don't even care which one. Are you in a cloud? Uh, but the biggest one, my biggest red flag was uh, a few company that I interviewed with had zero desire to go to any kind of a public cloud. And at that point, I'm like, okay, this is not somewhere where I want to work. Like they wanted to, you know, they're investing heavily in their data center and they want to do their own private cloud. And the only reason that I could get was because cloud bad. <laughs> uh, like there, like that, that was the re there was the reasoning behind why they didn't want to go into Azure, AWS, or GCP. I was like, okay, like that, that kind of mentality is not somewhere where I want to work. That, that feels like a, 
Because for a while there, cloud was the most overused bud, buzzword. It yes. was the fix for everything, which was, it, it went too far. But to get there to cloud bad, I feel like that's just, uh, you overcorrected instead of finding a happy happy middle ground. Yeah, of course, and, it, and I also had this personal philosophy of like, this is what I wore to, oh, obviously you can't see this on the podcast, but go to YouTube and you can see, you, know, you see the sweater that I'm wearing. Uh, this is how I would dress for all of my job interviews and um, if someone kind of made any kind of comment about how, like, you know, that I wasn't wearing like a shirt and a tie or anything, I'm like, if you're not going to hire me because I didn't wear a tie to an interview, that's also not a work culture that I want to be a part of. Yeah. If it's not like a customer facing slash sales role, right. I mean, I don't, I've never I mean, had either of those. I mean, even car salesmen, even car sales people uh, don't wear shirt and ties anymore. So why, why do you need to wear one in an office building? Yeah. Sometimes to me, those. Yeah. I also had a long list of, so my wife used to work in benefits. So I had a long list of benefits questions and that would just throw the recruiters for a loop because they were like, well, we don't know what any of this means. I'm like, well, can you find out? Because benefits is, you know, the pay, you know, the pay is important. I, you know, I have to have enough money to feed my family and keep the roof over my head, but the benefits are, you know, family of four, the benefits are equally as important. Can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, like I will, t- I would take, you know, I even took, you know, took a, took a lower salary because the benefits were good, were better than, so, you know, some of the other ones that were out there. I think a lot of people don't really calculate those. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't think about the dollar value associated with the small difference between, you know, different people. They just see the number. And yeah. a lot of us have like numbers that we want to reach one day. And as long as we get that, we feel yeah. like, ah, better. If I feel like I start diving into to benefits, Kelly's just going to come and cut out the entire conversation anyway. <laughs> like that's, so on top of all of all of the busy, which we could, and you have been, you also have uh, your, your book is out now, like official, right? Yeah. So my uh, my first book, Learn PowerShell, and a month of lunch is fourth edition. So that that one was out. Actually, I think I, I think it just released last time I was on here. Maybe when I was on the webcast, it was one of the two. Uh, you know. Um, so, so that's been, that's been out now, I think it came out in February, maybe April of 2022. Uh, but now I'm working on my second book. So it's the second edition of learn PowerShell scripting in a month of lunches. Uh, so it's more kind of, um, we're taking the basic concepts that we learned in the first book and we're applying those to, uh, by the way, you make your, your way all the way through the book. Like we've developed, we developed a repeatable tool and we take that into a module. And I believe in the last chapter, we actually put that up and we actually put that module up at the GitHub, kind of helping build a whole you know, release pipeline. So is it similar to, because I know with PowerShell of the Month of Lunch is the, the fourth edition, that a lot of that was updated to work with PowerShell 7. Uh, so it was more of the core thing. Is So is this second edition, is it doing the same thing where a lot of the chapters may have been focused on Windows PowerShell? Yeah, so this one is more focused on, on Windows PowerShell. Uh, the concept, all the concepts that we're learning are the same, but uh, so we're mainly focusing on Windows PowerShell. That's you know, after talking with Manning, Manning did a bunch of uh, surveys and stuff. They re- uh, realized that a lot of the readers are still in a Windows-based environment, is, is where they're using PowerShell, and not only that, but they're also using uh, the WMI and the SIM commands. Okay. Obviously, WMI is deprecated. If you're using it, you should stop. And the sim commands are not, you know, those classes are not available on a Unix or on a Unix or um, our Unix-based machine. Okay. Uh, 
so the examples and stuff that we're doing are that are windows focused but all the concepts uh, that we're talking about are the same or will are will you know kind of go across platform okay so it's it'll, it'll work across the board but if you're looking to transfer your example where you're using the same right. instance then okay such a fun series of books to kind of go through like if that's how you're learning powershell to go from you know the way you feel after finishing the first one you're able to run commands and and kind of figure your way through the console and then uh the second book in the series you kind of actually learn how to become a tool maker like you're saying you get to create a function and you kind of have the groundwork of a repeatable process that you can take with you and for me those books um at least the older versions that i read when i was learning were so fundamental to understanding how to go about things. And I feel like that's my baseline knowledge that I've just built on. Like that's the core uh, for me, at least in the way I learned. Yes, yeah, so as I started on the uh, the third, actually the second edition of Learn PowerShell in a month of launches, moved on to the third. And then I also have Learn PowerShell scripting in a month of launches. You know, I had that on my bookcase as well. And also the, the tool making book. I don't think they publish that anymore, but uh, I also had the, the tool making book too. <laughs> yep, those are some fun books. We'll have to get a signed copy of the Learn PowerShell in a month of lunches. Well, I mean, if you we'll come, to... if you come, if you come to the PowerShell Summit, uh, in, you know, in April, so uh, I, I'll, I'll be there. Travis will be there, and Tyler will be there. So you have all three of us. So I think uh, outside, like whether or not we're chosen to speak we're, we're planning to be there so i think at least i am i don't know about andrew i think yeah. andrew has to be i mean i would, I would hope so but <laughs> I, I mean who, oh, I who, else, who else is going to do the after dark series it, it's an important series i actually really enjoyed that just because they had the 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 bar right there in the hotel yeah then you also kind of posted up in the table in the back didn't you and just caught people as they were walking by yeah, so the first couple of days, we I mean, people were understandably wary. And then as it went on, we got more and more people that were willing to do it. So I'm hoping next year uh, we'll, we'll just have, from beginning to end, just a whole bunch of people just want to come and talk about what what, what they learned for the day. Because we, we try to capture it in a blog, like the sessions we see, but right. there's there's more than what Andrew and I can see going on. It's nice to get more more eyes. I like making new friends. That's how I think of it. It's like, I love meeting new people. And when you get to chat with them, it's, what a great conversation starter. That's one of the best. That's one of the best parts. I mean, all the sessions are recorded. You can go on YouTube and watch them right now. They're there. Uh, it is, it's all the people you meet. It's the, we call it yeah, the hallway track. It's kind of what we call it. Those are the conversations that don't get recorded. And those are generally the best ones. I don't know. It starts about now where I start ramping up. It's just an excitement. It's just, but by the end of the week, it's the most exhausting week of my year, I think. It is. I, I mean, it's only the event is only four days long. I remember going as a participant the first time I went. And by like Wednesday morning, I was like brain dead. I was like, I can't possibly take in any more information. Yeah, and it's it's not even just the the introvert versus extrovert, because for everyone there's an introvert, so everyone gets more and more exhausted. I'm not gonna say everyone, but I'm gonna say a large percentage. Right. Most people, yeah. And and on top of that though, you're also learning so much it's just exhaustion upon exhaustion but i've never left the week i'm always exhausted but i never never left the week with regret that that i was there just because there's so much yeah and one of the one of the things that I always that, that i love about the summit is that the sessions may end at 4 30 5 o'clock 
but those conversations just continue on into the night. Like I've never been to another event where we're still sitting around the bar, uh, bar drinking your, your, your drink of choice, you know, eating, you know, having, having a good meal and still carrying on the same conversations that we had at noon about the problem that I'm having. It's like the tech talk never stops. It, it really is. And I don't know, I've, I think I'm, I'm referencing an episode we haven't published yet, which is a, a big no-no. But well, one, one thing I, I talked about recently was the the last day where you have the, the party, like uh, where everyone gathers just the social event. It was, so we have the social, we have the offsite social Wednesday night. Yes, Wednesday, yes. Yeah, and then we have a semi-informal social Thursday afternoon-ish. Now, that's during Iron Scripter. We have a couple other things. Uh, yeah, can't really so, talk about them right now, but there's going to be some other cool things going on Thursday afternoon. So for the Wednesday night, I skipped, I skipped that in 2018 just because, you know, at the time I believed I was the only introvert on the planet. And then I went to it this last year and it was an amazing experience. I got, I got a bourbon recommendation from Jeff Hicks, changed my life. Right. Blanton's by the way. If you're looking for, don't, don't let Stevie hear you say that. So it was, it was, uh, both Jeff Hicks and Stevie were walking around with their, their Blantons extolling his virtues. And, uh, I went and tried it out and they were correct. That was, I don't have it yet in my, in my personal bar, but it will be there at some point. Good luck finding it. It's not easy. No, it's not. Uh, but no, so we were at, uh, it was called the forum social house. I think that's where we're going back next year. Uh, you can't quote me on that. It's not a hundred percent, but I think that's where we're going. They have, um, they had a twelve, you know, they had a twelve hole putt putt course. They had three top golf bays. We had pool tables. I believe there was a shuffleboard. We had a alcohol free. Well, it was supposed to be alcohol free. It didn't end up that way. Uh, but we had a room out in the back. Um, I want to try to remember. I'm gonna banda, uh, uh, banda. I, I, hope, I hope you're watching. Uh, you know, she she led a D and D D and D campaign that lasted for hours. And I think it even continued into the like. They took a break, went to the hotel. And just kept going and kept going. I'm not happy that I missed that. <laughs> I'm, I'm avid tabletop. I don't play D and D usually, but tabletop, I'm all about. Oh yeah, that, yeah. She was uh, that, that that was her thing. That's what she wanted to do. I believe she led a campaign every night. But that was that was like the, the big one. Of course, it, it was a room off in the back. It was quiet. You know, people would just go in there and just kind of sit and chill out. You know, sometimes you just need a break. You're like too many people. So, yeah, and like I said, when I first showed up. My first impression was I was right to skip 2018. It's just because the anxiety of all these people and it's everyone's letting go. Like that's when the least tech talk happens, just people enjoy. And I wasn't comfortable, but once you settle in, fantastic experience. So if you are a first time and you think and you don't have to go to a social event, I'm, I'm going to correct you. You have to go. Yeah. And, and, if, and if you see a speaker that you were in their session, I'll just go up to him, go up to him or her and just say, hey. I had a question that I didn't get a chance to ask you or something, you know, an idea popped in my head. Most likely they're going to sit down and, you know, and they'll pull out a napkin and start writing stuff down with you to help you kind of figure out your problem. Yep. Everyone is approachable and it's a really special environment. Um, I always talk about how much I love the hallway track. Uh, I also like to suggest that people, if you're not able to attend summit, you can get some of those hallway track vibes at 
other conferences at local user groups you know if you're if you're not able to attend definitely get involved in any capacity that you can because attending summit is definitely um a privilege but for some of those people who maybe don't have the opportunity to attend for uh, like work sponsorship or can't afford it are there any other like scholarship opportunities yes so well for well actually we haven't talked about the honor program uh so for the honor program so that's more of the introduction to i introduction to it and the devops track and so we do offer scholarships to that uh actually that that is supposed to open tomorrow december 1st so this all it's already be published so if you're listening to this now and you have an intern or someone at your work uh tell them to apply go to powershellsummit.org on ramp that's where the application is and what our goal is to hand out 10 scholarships so each scholarship is valued to six thousand dollars what that includes is that's your flight to and from Seattle. It's five nights in a hotel. Uh, it's obviously the, your conference, uh, your entry ticket as well. Uh, so really, you're you're on the hook for like three meals. Uh, is what kind of what you have to pay pay for out of pocket. It's a fantastic experience. Uh, Jeff Hicks is leading that again. Uh, he has he's kind of sent me some rough drafts already of what that program is going to look like. Awesome. That's very exciting. Um, I was a recipient of a scholarship years and years ago to attend PowerShell Summit. And yeah, it you was, were the first one. You didn't even have the on-ramp session when you went. You just got thrown in whole hog. Whole hog. And then he gave a lightning demo talk. Like he's right. there in the deep end as the first ever recipient of scholarship and he's given talks. Hey. Yeah. And we, we talked to our audience about take that next step for you, whatever that small next step was. And for me, it was a big step, but it was my next step was to do that small uh, lightning yeah. talk. And now years later, yeah, I, I still I still remember, uh, you know, I was with Don and Jason and Jeff and you know, we'd gotten there a couple of days early. And I guess Andrew had got it was either Saturday or Sunday. But he was sitting off in the corner at the bar. Uh, when you come to Seattle, you know, it's a really long bar in the hotel. You'll see it. And only half of it's been used. And there's like this one seat all the way at the end. And that, you know, that's where Andrew was sitting. And Don's like, that's our scholarship recipient. You should go say hi. And here we are. Here we are. I definitely, uh, first day, I definitely felt like an outsider. Um, just, you know, just in general, if you're at a new place with new people, but also being like more of a beginner and seeing all these people who are doing, I think at the time, a lot of it seemed like undoable and just like magician rock star vibes is what I had from everybody. Yeah, that's. That's when like Pester, I mean, we're talking about 2018, right? So this is when Pester was first coming out. DSC V1 was a huge magic thing. Uh, there was just a lot of, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on, like all at once. Uh, G, you know, Gia was just kind of starting to take off and it was, it, it was just a fantastic time. And yeah, and I can see just being thrown into that. And yeah, as someone who you know, could, could barely write PowerShell commands at the time, it'd be like, yeah, that could be overwhelming. Yeah, I, I'd done some stuff because as soon as I got the scholarship, I was like just grinding, trying to get better at PowerShell. And yeah, but quite a fun experience. All my interactions with people since day one in the PowerShell community have been positive, have been awesome. So it's been really cool to have such a great environment to grow as a person and a professional. And I'm super thankful for that opportunity. Um, Jordan, is there anything we can announce about scholarships on our end? No, we've been we've been talking about to to Jaren about potentially doing the scholarship or there's other one where he's looking at uh sponsoring just the summit but i haven't i don't know any information about where all that stands sounds good sounds good he, he's he's very he's very big and important uh, uh 
we, we should probably cut that part out until you get it figured. No, it's just I'm telling you, Jaron. Now you're on the hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was also one of the most common questions that we get about the honorary scholarship program is that there is no age requirement. We don't ask. We ask for your birth date only because when we book the flights for the you know the flights for the summit, that's something that the airline requires us to have. But the uh, the selection committee does not see uh, they they don't see any any of that information. So we have no idea how how old how old you are, how long you've been, uh, you know, how long you've been in IT kind of doing thing. So the idea is it's for someone who is new to the IT profession. Even if it's a second or a third life, you know, you, you jump ship and you're now you're now you're doing IT, you know, so the age doesn't matter, um, that none of that. So that's always one of the one of the big questions we get asked. It kind of ties together. I mean, just a little bit. I'm connecting some dots here. We mentioned job searching. We mentioned being able to pay for summit. Um I definitely think it's cool to work at a place that will support those kinds of endeavors. And I think that it's cool that you can learn PowerShell, learn skills, and you know, put yourself in a position where you can make more money or work for an employer who's more supportive of these kinds of endeavors. We're just going to let that hang there. Hang heavy. <laughs> if any employers are listening, send, send some people. We're trying to learn out here. Right, yeah, we're we're definitely hoping. Uh, we're not expecting a full, you know, full show. We're not expecting the 400, 450 people that we normally get. You know, the travel budgets are still a thing. A lot of companies are pulling training budgets, you know, because uh, you know for different reasons. But it's still it's still gonna be a good time. We're still expecting between three and three fifty, which is, I mean, it, if you've ever been to a night, you know, there's forty thousand people there, and you're shoulder to shoulder. That's not that's not pretty enjoyable. But a three hundred person conference, and you have four four breakout rooms uh you're talking between 60 and 70 people per room like that that is plenty you know plenty of place place to kind of spread out have your, have your personal space yeah and definitely shout out the powershell.org youtube channel all the talks from last year and previous years are available for your consumption and a lot of great content out there yeah yeah they're all broken down into playlists by uh by event and I believe we go all the way back to 2016. I believe is uh, is kind of when we started recording. The early uh, the earlier sessions are, are not that great. Yeah, you know, we we did the whole but you know webcam and microphone, uh, so the, the audio quality is is not great. But they're there, and a lot of that content is still relevant today. It's uh, I I find when we talk to to guests quite often, they'll be talking about something that's like, oh yeah, there was a talk about this at summit that still happens. Like I. That happens a lot for us. So whatever whatever's going on in Summit, it tends to be what what's going to be current events for for the next year or so at least. I, you know, I still get you know I did a GIA talk back in 2018, and two or three times a year, someone reaches out to me and they're like, "Hey, do you have a recording of this video?" I'm like, "Yes, it's on YouTube." Uh, and they're like, "Oh, you know, we're we're getting that set up, and that's great." Like that was f- four years ago now, almost five. And said I still get hit up a couple times a year about uh, by getting that set up and installed and running. I, I noticed when we were setting up when we were applying for the talk, I had a thing. Would you be willing to write about that? Is that something that I didn't realize that's something you were looking for? So if you give a session, you want someone like if they're available to go through and give a write up of the talker. Yeah. So what what we're hoping for is that leading up to the summit, to be able to re- release like a blog post every. Um, 
every day, every week, something like that. Uh, kind of leading leading up to the summit with just someone like you know, let's say you and Andrew got essentially accepted. You know, just a little one, you know, one two page, uh, just kind of recap of what you're looking for at summit, what your session going to be out, what's your session going to be about, what are you looking forward to, kind of stuff like that. And that way, the uh, the idea is that people can kind of meet the speakers uh, before the before the event happens. So there's not like <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of people when they go to summit or not summit when they go to conferences in general you know the speakers up on this podium they're on this platform they have the bright lights on them and you're like oh my god i'm not worthy i can't talk to you i have this question but i'm you know i can't come talk to you uh so we're just trying to kind of level set that you know that playing field you know this you know, the speakers are just one of you they're they're just one of you they're just on this they're on the stage telling a story uh sorry they have so we're going to help kind of break down some of those barriers yeah they're definitely we'll just people. And Jordan, just a heads up on every single one of our submissions, I check that box just in case it would help. <laughs> it would help our chances of getting accepted. So, well, so doesn't Jordan have a ghostwriter? I have someone that goes through and does a copy edit because I can't. <laughs> I can't put together a coherent sentence. Ghostwriter, I like that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, my, my editor for the book is like, "Don't you use spell check?" I'm like, "I do." There are no squiggly red lines underneath any of my words. I actually had to request the person that goes in after they stop making it as a suggestion and just make the change because I get all these pop-ups. It's like, this is all wrong. I'm like, <laughs> I just, I don't need that. Make the changes. Let me know. And I'll make sure that the things you changed didn't change the technical stuff I was talking about. And, and we're good. I don't, I don't need to know how many commas I missed because it was all of them. I missed all of the commas. Just, just replace commas with semicolons and then, you, then you're fine. There you go. Sometimes. <laughs> I feel like commas are underused and then I use them appropriately. And I feel like I'm putting too many commas. Like you can't just put a comma this much. No, no commas in my PowerShell commands yet. In your PowerShell commands. What if you're mm. selecting from a, from a list, you got to comma separate, provide an array. I get it. I get it, man. It happens sometimes, <laughs> but not, you should see my real world sentences. They're just, <laughs> what you just don't write in PowerShell all the time. It's possible. It's possible. So I, I can say every time I do try to write, uh, my my D average for English in school is confirmed. <laughs> I think that's where we need all these AI tools to get better and just like compose beautiful paragraphs for us. Yeah, maybe we should get like GitHub Autopilot to do that. Yep, that's a good. It's like hey, good like suggestion. here's my power. Yeah, here's my code. Write a beautiful paragraph about it. So we had someone internally post a link to something where you can go to AI, say, it, it uses words that I can't repeat without getting beeped, but uh, it's the, basically they put in the sentence, create a, a bleeping ticket. And then in the comment, it says, put this in a business formal way. And then AI <laughs> went through and created a response that was very professional. It's like, hey, we appreciate reaching out. We'll get right on this. If you wouldn't mind in the future reaching out through a ticket, like it was... Like the AI was very professional. It was fantastic. That's funny. I, I think I need that just uh, AI to derage. <laughs> yeah, I, it's exciting to see all that AI stuff. And it's cool that we can still use that from PowerShell too. We can do all kinds of fun stuff without having to leave our shell of choice. Now, so I have a question. I'm not sure if this is one you have an answer for, but I've been, it's been driving me nuts. Recently, 
Mr. Snover moved from Microsoft to Google. Will he still be attending Summit because he's still Jeff freaking Snover? We are working on it. That is the best. Like, you know, because he also moved. Or yes. Is, or is moving. I'm not quite sure when the timeline of him moving versus this coming out is. But <clears throat> so he, he doesn't live 10 minutes down the road anymore either. Yeah. So that it's, kind of threw a monkey wrench in our plans too. Which is understandable. And I, I completely understand if he feels like he can't make it. But man, that, this last year, he was the one person I never got around to saying hi to because I was too nervous. And I would hate, hate to be, but I understand. I, you got to go better in his life and doing things to make him happy. Well, Jeffrey, yeah. if you're watching, we are <laughs> listening. I, I don't want to put any pressure on him. He's he's done enough for my career. He basically is my career at this point. You know, Jordan, I don't want to spill any beans here, but I'll just say maybe there's a chance you'll have a, a chance to talk with him before Summit, and uh, you can meet him and have a nice long conversation. Graham, I'll, I'll, I'll make a very uncomfortable interview. <laughs> <laughs> Treat him like a super rock star, not a human at all. Yeah. Well, That'll be fun. He is a super rock star. Aren't we all? Tell, I don't know. Tell he him is pretty awesome. Well, that's what was so fascinating. Like last year with the state of the shell, his entire point was it's okay to be imperfect. And it just felt, I mean, it was good that it came from him because he's on such a pedestal, but it was just an interesting lesson to take where a mistake is okay. Yeah, I'm, I make mistakes every day. It's fine. And it's super helpful to have someone who is the shell father or the pod father <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, um, setting that example. Because it really does trickle down. When It's just interesting to see how humans work and how changes kind of propagate. But I can tell you what, in this PowerShell community, we're so fortunate to have a lot of those I don't know what to call them, vibes or principles kind of like set from the people who are higher up in the community. Um, it's, it's cool to see where things are now too. Cause I feel like for yeah, me in my career, seeing that kind of thing, like, Hey, it's cool to make mistakes. Hey, we don't know everything from people who I thought were like magicians was kind of mind blowing. I was like, wow, I can kind of get addicted to this thing. Not feeling terrible about making mistakes, learning, being accepted. Like that's what's up. Yeah. I know some of my favorite speakers that I've seen, uh, both, both the summit and uh, tech mentor and a few other <clears throat> Uh, conferences are the ones who keep the mistakes in their code. Like, oh, that's a mistake. That's fine. It's the the ones who like perfectly edit everything, especially when it comes to recorded videos. Uh, I think there was at Pluralsight, there was, you know, there for a while, I don't know if it's still that way. I lost my Pluralsight subscription, but there's a lot, uh, there's kind of a big movement when they were recording the videos that they stopped editing the errors out of the videos. And that was to show that, hey, I am recording this video. I'm showing you how to do it, uh, but I, I still made an error. I think that it can help set expectations fairly too. Because if you're trying to learn some new hard technology and you're seeing someone do it perfect in every single resource, it's like, oh, it's just these three commands. But then whenever you try and run them, you run into a hundred issues or you mistype things. You know, If you can see someone else experiencing something somewhat similar, it helps you understand that like, hey, the road may be a little rocky at times, but you're not going to fall off if you don't jump off yeah yeah like i'm trying to play around with the the graph api right now and i there is so much red text on my screen well mine's great but there's so many error texts uh, on my screen it's not even funny yeah, graph is very powerful but it's not uh 
it's not an easy transition to just you can't just step in and start using graph right what resources have you been using along your graph journey um mostly right now just the uh, the learn microsoft learn you know so microsoft had the big re the big rebranding so docs is now learn so it's just like everything that's on the microsoft docs uh, which is obvious, which we all know is 100% perfect. So, uh, yes, I mean, yeah, that, that, and that's one of the biggest things that I have found and, you know, reading a bunch of blog posts with the graph APIs, it's not, uh, it's not all documented. Uh, sometimes, sometimes at all, like you had to go to a third part, third party blog or somebody somewhere had this problem and this is how they fixed it. Oh, that's. It keeps us employed, I guess, to a certain extent. It uses those brain right. resources, but boy, oh boy, do I prefer good, accurate docs. Hopefully, they keep yes. working on those. Uh, Lombardi. So, if you could kind of, yeah. So i i keep love work. I love great documentation, but I never provide it. I want other people to give me for their work. I don't want to put the effort. So you just need an AI that writes all of your docs for you. There we go. Or just, go ahead. I, I just can say I, I like that idea of just because uh, I already have AI that will build the framework for a module, and I just see like AI to say now read that module and <laughs> add some words. I think that writing docs has more value when you are connected to the result of the customers not having good docs. So like if you're the one who's writing docs and has to answer customer complaints, like hey, how do you do this? Then I think there's more of a a connection to wanting to write good docs. And of course, you know, there are some people that are of the opinion that you should write the docs first and then write the code. That way you know what you're writing. Yep. Documentation-driven do development. I do not. I am not one of those people. I do not do that. But most of my stuff doesn't have docs anyway. So. I like the assumption that I know what I'm attempting before I dive in. <laughs> I mean, for me, whenever I got started in PowerShell, I remember June Blender, who wrote a bunch of the documentation for the help stuff back in the day, did a talk on documentation-driven development. So like way back in the, in the inception of my PowerShell journey, people were talking about how important documentation was and all this stuff. And it seems like that has now just been echoed and the echoes keep going farther along. So now sysadmins are, are preaching that and all the way down. I know my, my first introduction to Pester was uh, Mike Robbins did a presentation for my user group. And one of the things that he said was that you should always write your Pester test first. That way you know what you're testing. And I'm like, oh, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Because I, I guess either approach will work if you understand the context and the drawbacks and what you need to look for. Because yeah, test-driven development is great if you make sure you don't completely ignore the docs. And documentation <laughs> right. is great if you make sure that you don't overlook the tests, but it is kind of, you know, these are complex problems to solve. So kind of makes so sense that, go ahead. It, it feels like the actual code, the the testing and the documentation is all critically important. And so it doesn't matter which one you start with, as long as you take the time to go through and follow up and make sure you hit all three is what it sounds like to me, because everyone has different opinions, but it sounds like as long as at, at the end result, they each get the time they deserve you're probably going to be okay yep definitely not good to ignore any of those but i think like it's like most things in it or at least that we deal with it's like uh there's a lot of kind of ways you could solve it there are reasons why some people do one there's reasons why you don't do the other if you completely ignore the reasons that drive you towards or away from something uh it's not just a set it and forget it situation you're going to be in there
but I do like to set it and forget it. Apathy and laziness is my driving force, which if you imagine how much drive those two things generate, it's not a lot. (laughs) Mine is caffeine and jazz music. Yeah, you, they, they always say you're the most complicated task, the most lazy person. They'll find the most efficient way to do it. Yep. It is good to be lazy. I mean, efficient. It's, <laughs> it's good to be lazy if you are also smart. You don't want to be dumb and lazy. That's a dangerous combo. Yeah. Wow. So I do have a question about um, earlier I mentioned, for those who can't attend Summit, getting involved in user groups, there's the PowerShell community call. Um, that'll be starting back up in January. Uh, where can people go to see maybe what kind of user groups are meeting or is there like a calendar that people can check? Yeah, so uh, powershell.org slash calendar. We have uh, we, um, an aggregate with Meetup uh, that we have the the three user groups that we know of that are meeting. So if you're running a PowerShell user group, uh, come, uh, you can shoot me an email. Uh, there's a contact form on there. You shoot us an email and we'll make sure to get you added. But I know we have New York, uh, Raleigh, and I think, I think you started one down in Gainesville. Is that right? And then uh, I'm restarting again for the third time this year. Uh, the Chattanooga user group, I'm going to start that back up in February. We're going to try to get, get, get back up and running. I tried to get Salt Lake up and running. It did not did not go well. Right. Yeah. One of the biggest things that we're running into is that just yeah, especially with a lot of people working from home, it was a lot better. It was a lot different when I could just leave work, walk across the street, and now and I'm at the user group. And now I got up. I'm working from home most of the time, so I had to drive downtown, just 15, 20, 15, 20 minutes. Drive drive back. It's just it's not it's not it's not a convenience uh, anymore. Like I have to go out of my way to go to the user get these user groups now. So that's something they were having to all, we're all trying to have to adapt and overcome. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. I find that most of the people who attend my user group in person work in an office. (laughs) There's a couple, but like the most of them are working and then they just kind of come afterwards. Yeah. And then we've, um, I know at least with us in the Chattanooga area, the Chattanooga group, we opted not to go virtual, you know, back in 2020 because everyone was like, I'm working from home. I'm on a Teams meeting or I'm in a Zoom meeting all day. Like, I just, I don't want yet another virtual meeting during my personal, you know, d- during during personal family time. It's a lot easier to get away when you're not, the, when you're you're physically somewhere else. But, yeah, you can't just hang out from six to seven and your office bedroom because you got the kids running around, you know, it's dinner time, all that good stuff. Yeah. I get swept up in the momentum of the day pretty much every single day. I try and like I plan it in the morning and then by the time the kids are asleep and all that's done, things are just my my schedule. What schedule? I'm ready to sleep. <laughs> now, with writing a book, uh, how do you... I know that last time we interviewed you, you mentioned the way you do things is you just have a list of everything you, you need to do. And you just kind of do it as you feel inspired for each different task. Is that how you approach book writing as well, especially with this new one you're working on? Uh, yeah, so I'm I, I I am a little behind on where I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, the whole having a kid thing. I uh, put a you know, kind of put a little damper in that. Uh, but yeah, like I just kind of I have my deadlines uh, when things need to be sent in. So uh, I should try my best to kind of uh, keep up with those deadlines. Of course, you know now I'm doing a lot of uh, you know I can wait till the kids go to bed, and and uh, 
all, all that good stuff. So I mean, it's not like I can do it in the middle of the day anymore like I was before. So so finding the time to to do that is becoming uh, still a, a little more challenging, but still something still something fun that I like to do. So it's kind of it's kind of a good way for me to just kind of it's almost like a for me it's like a mental break, just kind of getting away, kind of focusing on this one little task. It's a good way to approach it. Kind of a good, good way to de stress from the day. I'm I'm starting to work towards uh, I'm trying time boxing, just because I tend to if I start a task I can't let it go even to where it's a detriment. Like I'm not I've made enough mistakes where I'm no longer getting productive work done anyway. So I, I'm working at, and I'm sure Kelly was thrilled like this because my blog writing has fallen off a cliff. Just time boxing where I set a certain time of the day just to do that, and at the end of the time box, I mean unless I'm really making progress, I just that's the end of that, and I just come back to it. I'm curious to see if that'll make a difference on my writing instead of just, you know, when I, when I find some time, I'll just dive in and see how it goes. Yeah. And it's hard though. There's so many different things that we have to learn and keep track of. I feel like the more tech people I talk to, the more they feel, at least this is my impression that they haven't said that, Oh, I've learned so much that I have trouble remembering it all, but it's like, there's just this constant churn of things that we're all learning, forgetting, relearning four months later, kind of forgetting. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it can be hard to do other things on top of that. Even for me, keeping like doing time boxing, like I'm able to implement things like that for a handful of weeks. And then like something wild will happen for a week and I'll kind of like fall off the bandwagon and just totally forget that that was working for me for a while until I'm like, oh wait, that works. So it is effective for you. It just, it's not something that you can do consistently enough to make it a habit. It's effective. I'm not. Yeah. I think that's... <laughs> I like it. Well, then I look forward to the next two weeks of having effective time management before I stop. If I'm <laughs> it's just give it till Christmas at least. I, I could do that. I can do that. That's, that's, I guarantee up until Christmas to to time box properly. I don't make guarantees. That's that's probably wise. See, I make guarantees. I just I have no shame if I fail. All right. So I guess with all of those changes, when was the last time you had a good nap? Oh, it's been a, been a while. Because <laughs> when you get to our age, naps are important. You don't want to let those uh, fall to the wayside for too long. Right. Yeah, I've had like eight hours of sleep the last two days, so going good. That feels like a, a boast at that point. N- newborn, new job, uh, just starting into the getting the speakers ready for Summit, and you got eight hours of sleep over a two-day window? That's that's a humble brag. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess have have we done the we didn't have common parameters, I think. Uh last time you were a guest. Are you uh, ready? I don't think so. I'm ready. I think I'm right. ready. You you think you can handle all of the pressure of the common parameters? It brings dread to every guest. Oh, does it? Okay. All right. All right. So you ready? First one actually. Give me give me your worst. I I have to pull up the questions because I already forgot them. <laughs> All right. That's I'm very all right. What is one time something went wrong while on the job and how did you handle it? What'd you learn from it? Ooh. That would probably be the time that I rebooted a hundred plus print servers in my old job. 
that's a lot of print service. How? Yeah. The bad part is that wasn't all of them. It was just most of them. But uh, I was pushing out a patch through SCCM. I clicked the wrong checkbox. The next thing I know, all the print servers across six states went down. The good news is they're all, uh, I mean, they all rebooted fast and they were all 100% up to, pat- up to date with their patches. There we go. That sounds like a win to me. Right. Like I say, most people say it makes sense. Like, I hear 100 print servers. like, what is, how does this happen? <laughs> that's, that's a long story that we don't have enough alcohol. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll move through because I know your, your time is important. Uh, with your knowledge now, what's one tip you'd like to give your younger self when you're first starting out? Uh, hmm. Probably, the slow, uh, probably slow down. Like, I, I have a really bad problem now. And of course, it's it's getting better. I'm just something I've identified the problem working on, but I would try to I would do I would just try to do something as fast as I could and just move on to the next thing. It's like take some, you know slow down, take some pride take some pride in your work, and and, and I guess remember there's other people on your team that might have to inherit your code at some point. I really like to take pride in your work. That, that, that that's a new one for that, that's a. That's a good one. Well, I think, can I just add something? I think that taking pride in your work and understanding the impact it has on your coworkers is being connected with the, with what you're actually doing, right? Like understanding the context of the work that you're doing and how important it really is. It's more than just a task for today. It is in one way, setting an example for your coworkers. Like, do we just kind of half scratch a solution together? Do we really do it? Maybe a little bit of documentation, do things the proper way. Um, and then it also feels really good when you take it more serious and have that sense of pride that you're talking about. It just feels like your work is more important. It feels like you're doing more. It feels better, at least for me. And the last, and this is the most dreaded question, mostly because no one can ever get it down to three. What are your three favorite modules? Hmm. You know, I think um, export Excel. That that's one of the top ones. Import import Excel. Im- import Excel. I'm sorry. Even though I use it to export all the time, that's why. Anyways. Hmm. Uh, D- uh, DBA tools is pro- probably really up there. I haven't used it. I haven't used it a bunch, but I know for the for the SQL DBA or for the SQL DBA is really powerful. Uh. And of course, uh, I think I'm gonna go with Plaster, mostly because that's a module that I own and am currently rewriting. So, and Plaster, that one is like uh, templates for when you're writing your code, right? Yeah. yeah, you give it. So we're rewriting it to go from XML-based documentation to JSON. Okay. So you give it a you give it a JSON file, and then uh, from there invoke Plaster, and it will spit out uh, perfectly, uh, reper- yeah, perfectly set up. Uh, modules and functions. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, James, but thousands of years ago, there was a seer who could see the future, and he saw the potential of just pure shale talent. And he set the groundwork as a butterfly flap in his wing moments 2,000 years ago, setting for events, a series of events that would bring about Andrew Plaw and his ability to shill this podcast. And you have a live front row seat to watch pure magic happen. All right, take it away, Andrew. It is known. It is spoken. Thank you, friends, for listening today. Another amazing episode. Returning guest. Maybe it's the first, maybe it's our second. Who knows? But you're here. If you're listening, 
Give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you're watching us, like, comment, subscribe, say what's up. Tell us how you're doing. Tell us what you're using with PowerShell. What's your favorite module? Okay, is it import Excel? Let us know. You can email us PowerShell at pdq.com or you can follow us on Twitter at PowerShellPod. Thank you to our esteemed guest today, James Petty. And thank you for Jordan. Uh, he introduces himself as mediocre, but he is anything but. He is extraordinary. No one believes you. You lost it. You lost all shield credit there. Your response is getting right. cut out. Right. Thank you so much for the time, James. This is uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. We'll get a link up for both Summit as well as for your books. And is there anything else you want us to to throw up there? Uh, uh probably just a link to the scholarships. Oh, absolutely. Yes, we'll get that up there for sure. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plough. The only device of its kind in the world. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com.